Thank you, guys. You may be seated. I'm so excited about you, honestly. I just, there's times that I'm carrying a teaching, and there's other times when I'm operating more in a prophetic dimension, and uh, I kind of feel like I have prophetic ADD. (laughs) I'm all over the place, and so those of you that are more like, you know, teacher types, and you want the notes perfectly, you're just going to put your pens down. I'm like, Lord, I'm getting random stuff all over the place. So um, let me start off by saying my wife sends her love. We have three boys, and um, my oldest boy is going to be 13 in October. And uh, that's a weird age, isn't it? (laughs) My goodness. We're having lots of fun, but that's a really odd age. My middle son is uh, 11 years old, and... um, you guys can check him out, Newbie Pro, Roman. He's starting his own YouTube channel. He's already got a sponsor, and uh, it's so fun. You know, they get to that age where they're just taking on that little, like, little men. And my little guy, Nine, he's still just a little guy. And so really quickly before I dive into the prophetic stuff, I got some resources back there, and um, we don't have very many, so buy them all. I just got back from Chicago. This year's been fun. January, I was with Brent and Russia. And then I was in Italy, and I was in Ireland, and I was in Chicago, and now I'm here, and then I'll be somewhere else, and uh, I, don't ever, I never know where I'm going to be. I just look at my calendar when I'm flying out, and, and that's how I roll. But a lot of you young guys, I want to encourage you, not just for the young guys, but I'm so excited to see the youth here. And this identity manual has been used, um, it's been used in juveniles, uh, prisons, it's been used in home groups. And uh, I'm just blessed to see what God has done with that. These two are together. This is the heart of the prophetic. And when the Lord began to speak to me about, and this is the workbook that comes along with it, the Lord began to speak to me about teaching on the prophetic from a new covenant uh, perspective. And I thought, what can I teach on the prophetic that you haven't heard before? And um, how many of you are aware that God is in a good mood? And actually, as I began to study the prophetic and some of the teachings out there, guess what? There's a lot of stuff that needs to be cleaned up and the whole new foundation that needs to be laid because people are still prophesying out of the Mosaic Covenant instead of the new covenant in Christ. So that's the foundation there. This is my newest one. I'm working on another one. I'll tell you about that in a minute. But this one here, I took 18 years of prophetic ministry And I thought, we're so focused on training up the prophetic in like a 101. um, But who's equipping prophets? And so that resource is for those of you that feel called to the prophetic, maybe even to the office of the prophet. And I dive in, talk about weird stuff, talk about fun stuff. And um, you guys can go and buy all those resources. I'm also working on a book right now. I have a contract with Destiny Images, a publishing deal on victorious spiritual warfare. Some of that might come out this weekend. Um, Spiritual warfare is a topic that the Lord has been speaking to me a lot about. How many of you know whether you believe it or not, you're in spiritual warfare? Whether you know it or not, whether you believe it or not, you're facing spiritual warfare. And, um, And again, looking at it from a biblical perspective in the new covenant, we've given way too much credit to the devil. And uh, I'll I'll unpack that a little bit more throughout the weekend, but I want to get into some of the prophetic stuff. 
I wrote some of the stuff on my phone. I was like, oh, Lord, some of these people don't know me. They're going to think I'm crazy. But that's okay. 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 9 says, Formerly in Israel, they were called seers, and now they're called prophets. And the seer dimension started to unlock for me in a whole nother level when I went to Ireland. And I had the Lord speak to me, and I was laying, I was, uh, you know, up late at night, and I watched comedy over and over again. Little, I, like, I like to laugh. And I was sitting there, you know, flicking through little comedy things. And the Lord speaks to me and says, go to Ireland. I said, that'd be nice. That'd be nice. Next morning I wake up, I get one of those spam emails and it says, go to Ireland. I said, wow, that's twice. You know. So then I get on my mentoring call and uh, I have all these you know, prophets that I'm mentoring on the call. And one says, you're not going to believe this, but my pastor who's Irish is taking a team to Ireland. I thought, now I'm listening. <laughs> So I send the guy a message and I said, hey, so you got any open spaces? He goes, nope. Sorry, maybe next year. I said, okay, maybe next year. Two days later, I get a message. The space just opened up. If you want to come, you can come. I didn't ask anybody for money. I just, God told me to go. And so I went by faith and all the money came in without me asking. That's cool. And while I was in Ireland, it wasn't just a mission trip for me to preach and minister and evangelize. The Lord was doing a lot to me. Ireland's the land of mystics and poets and musicians. And I would go different geographical places and my eyes would be opened. Not just eyes open like I've had my whole Christian experience, but open in the natural. And I would see things that were going on and I would see the angels that were walking in the room and I would see things that were, I mean, it was a whole nother level of the seer dimension. And I am so believing God for a supernatural generation to emerge in this hour. Because right now, there's this, there's this swing of the pendulum, you know, and many of us, you know, we grew up, you know, Pentecostal. Anybody grew up Pentecostal? You, I know we're still Pentecostal, charismatic, but you know what I'm saying, like old school Pentecostal. You know, when, when you get hands laid on you, it's actually a palm strike to the head. <laughs> Glory to God, you're like, that guy just hit me right in the face. Right, you know what I mean? Where the Holy Ghost comes on people and they run around, they jump in the baptismal, jump out. You know, that's kind of stuff. <laughs> Boy, I have so many stories. I remember hearing Joshua Mills tell a story about a church he went to. And, and uh, when people started manifesting demons, they put a, wrapped them up in a blanket like a burrito. And they took, up, they took out plastic swords and they started beating them for the demons to come out. Let's not, let's not do that. <laughs> and so I've watched the Lord really trying to adjust the body of Christ and lay solid biblical foundation. Because we've needed it, frankly. The charismatic Pentecostal church, for the most part, is not very respected globally. It's like, you guys got power and the Holy Ghost and passion, but we don't go to you for theology. Well, now that's not true. Now God has been laying foundation, but when I went to um, Ireland, I had an open vision, and in the vision, I saw the Bible opened up, and the Lord began to speak to me, and he said, the first level is the historical context. It's what the Bible means, the original intention of what the Bible means. How many of you are aware that the Bible wasn't written to you? So, by your reaction, some of you didn't know that. That's why we have terrible, terrible uh, hermeneutics. 
The Bible was written to the Jews in that century that were alive. So first and foremost, you have to understand the context of the Bible. If not, we always take it out. That's why we, the book of Revelation, we say, there's an eagle in the book of Revelation. That means America. No, that doesn't mean America. It means an eagle. You understand what I'm saying? Are you tracking with me? How come everything's about America? Like every, anyway, I know I'm in Canada. I love Canada. I lived in Canada. My son was born in Canada. I'd come here. I feel like I'm home. But like American theology, it's like everything's about America. So first understand the context of scripture. Like when the Bible says, you know, testing a judgment first comes to the house of the Lord. We love that verse. We say, well, you know, all this stuff going on in the church, judgment first begins in the house of the Lord. And I go, amen. Do you understand the context? Well, no. Well, let's talk about it. Was there any difficult thing going on when the apostles were writing those letters? Yes, judgment was happening. Emperor Nero was murdering people. Those of you that believe we live in the worst times right now don't understand the Greco-Roman period. I didn't drive around Vancouver and see people hanging on the cross. I mean, the, the, the debauchery. It was way worse back then than it is today. Yeah, so they were going through judgment. They were facing trials and various trials. So first we understand the context of Scripture. But then in this encounter, the Lord began to show me, it's like I went into the Word. And I saw dimensions into the Word. I saw the depth of the Word. I saw the Father heart of God in the world. But I also began to see the spiritual world. There is a spirit realm going on right now. As Brent's standing up here and he's talking, I'm looking at him. I see an angel standing next to him, has a pen. You know, so I'm sure the Lord's been speaking to you about writing. <laughs> he's got a big old pen just looking at Brent. I said, well. <laughs> and I know that kind of stuff sounds weird because some of us have experienced weird prophetic stuff. My passion is that we will be supernaturally natural. So, yes, we, we have a solid biblical foundation in the Word of God. But we understand, the scripture says in Ephesians 3, verse 19, that we would know the heights, the depth, the width, the breadth of the word of God. That we wouldn't just stop with our historical context. But we would dive into the word and it would become living and active. Jesus Christ is the word. You know, I love this passage of scripture. Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and the life. Remember that? And then, was it Pontius Pilate? He says, what is truth? And Jesus remains quiet. Why do you think he remained quiet? He already said who he was. He didn't have to say it twice. I said I'm truth. Christ is truth. So I, I, I'm all about, if you understand my ministry, I, I, I pursue theology, I'm pursuing a doctorate I love, but the Lord began to make some adjustments to me in Ireland. Some of the things that I used to teach that doesn't happen anymore, all of a sudden I'm, I'm where St. Patrick's, you know, his land was whatever, I don't remember, all the first church that he planted, take my shoes off, just worshiping the Lord. All of a sudden, I see a stairway come out of heaven. And I thought, well, that's interesting. Does <laughs> anybody else see that stairway come out of heaven right there? I saw open places, thin places, all over Ireland, all over the place. And I saw angels coming out, and I saw, and it was as if that world was just naturally walking among us. That's, I'm going to say it wrong, so, you know, those of you Hebrew scholars don't yell at me. It's like Mahanium. 
the dance of two camps. It's in the Song of Solomon and it's in the book of Joshua. The dance of two camps, where the angels were among the company of men. I believe we're stepping into a season where the veil's completely torn back. I'll teach this more as we go into it, but the Lord spoke to me, said, I've been 38 at the gate. So I turned 38 in April. I said, 38 at the gate? What do you mean? Genesis chapter 28. We are, the Bible says, the house of God, the gateway of heaven. And I've been having experiences in the supernatural realm, not because I'm a prophet, but because I'm the gate of heaven on the earth. And so are you. I'll unpack that theologically over this weekend so you guys can see it. But there's something that's happening right now where we are beginning to learn to operate supernaturally natural. You know, Brent knew me and, and Sharon a long time ago, back when I would walk around like this. And I'd just stare over people. It's just scary prophetic, you know. And people be like, what's Ivan doing? I don't know, he's in the heavens or something. I don't know what he's going to do. But I had to learn how to be supernaturally natural. I was in one prayer meeting. <laughs> I'm in a prayer meeting with all these Irish guys, you know. And they're, they're awesome. They love worship. And we're worshiping the Lord and I'm sitting there and all of a sudden, I see a horse walk in the room. You know, if you get to know me, I'm really a normal guy for the most part. And, and so a lot of these encounters I'm having are weird to me. They're stretching me. And I'm like, so a horse just walked in the room, Lord, what's that about? And then I see the Lord invite me to get up on the horse, you know. So I got my eyes closed and I'm, you know, riding on the horse. And then I see the horses begin to, different colors. And they walk, they go throughout the room and they get in front of a rider. And the Lord is inviting the people in the room to get up on the horse. And then all of a sudden, the... The, the host of the meeting is a crazy seer prophet from Ireland. He goes, strength just walked into the room. I said, yeah, I just saw it in the shape of horses. And it stood before every single person and invited him to get up on the back of the horse. You know how significant that is? It represents strength. What's the passage of scripture that says, you've run with the footmen, but now you're going to ride with the horsemen? And so many of us are exhausted doing everything in our own strength. And I see the horses just all over the room and the Lord's saying, hey, you tired yet? <laughs> Let me carry you. That's powerful. So I'm going to get really weird here. You know, I, pray, I preached some of this stuff at a meeting with a bunch of theologians and they were like, first time I met you, <laughs> I thought this guy's weird, but uh, you seem nice enough. Gave you a second chance. So anyway. Last year, I was on an airplane flying into North Carolina, and I said, Lord, what do you want to say to the church here? And I have an open vision of the Lord Jesus in an airplane, and he, and he has an apple in his hand. And then he, that's it. And I go, well, that doesn't sound like a word, you know. Here's what the Lord would say to the churches. He's got an apple, you know. Like, anybody ever have encounters like this, you know? And you're like, I love the encounter. I love that I saw the Lord, but it's the glory of what? God to conceal the matter, but the glory of kings to search them out. If you don't feel like you're hearing the voice of God, he's inviting you into intimacy with him. I've had a season where he's been so quiet. And I'm like, why are you so quiet? Because you're spoiled, boy. You're used to seeing, so you haven't been in the word lately. Dang it. 
And he's drawing me and drawing me and drawing me. It's fun. It's relationship. And so I start to study the apple. My goodness, the first day of Rosh Hashanah, which we just had a few days ago, they would take the apple and they would dip it in honey. I didn't know that. The representation was the apple means it's going to be a good year. But in a good year, difficult things still happen. You tracking? The honey represented it's going to be both good and sweet. And so I thought that was a pretty cool experience. And I thought, okay, Lord. In that, I understood that some of us would go through some of the most difficult seasons of our life this year. And yet, in the midst of it, for some, it would be the sweetest time in their life. You ever hear that expression, to be the best of times and the worst of times? It's going to be difficult for those of us that have not yet surrendered to the things that hinder love. Did you hear that? So on Sunday, I'm sitting in my, uh, I'm praying before the service and I see the fourth man. You know who the fourth man is? Is this a prophetic conference? Are we used to prophetic stuff? Okay. And so in the book of Daniel, there's a story where Nebuchadnezzar has Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thrown into the fiery furnace. They say, turn it up even hotter than we normally do it, from my paraphrase. And then Nebuchadnezzar stands up and he says, Nebuchadnezzar stands up and he says, how many guys did you throw in there? Because I see fourth men, four men, and the fourth man looks like the Son of God. And so on Sunday, I watched as the fourth man was walking around the church. I said, Lord, this is, this, I knew it was significant. To see the fourth man, the son of God, like fire, walking in. And the Lord began to speak to me. Many of you are facing very difficult seasons right now. You feel like you're in the fiery furnace. But you're not alone. The fourth man is with you. And if you study the rest of that verse, it says that nothing was burned, not even their hair was singed. The only thing that burned is the things that held you bound. It's a time to run toward the fire. It's a time to embrace the fire. Some of your foundations are being shaken, and it's a good thing. I'm telling you, the word I got, I saw this. I'll continue to unpack what I was seeing. So going back to the encounter with the apple, I'm like, all right, Lord. I continued to press in. Then I saw a vision of the church, the bride of Christ, resting under the apple tree. That's found in Song of Solomon, um, chapter 2. You guys know the verse, right? You don't know the verse? Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 5. Sustain me with raisin cakes. Refresh me with apples because I am lovesick. There's something so powerful about understanding the shade of God. The rest of God. And many of you are in a season of restoration. You've been in ministry. You had business. You were running after something. And for some reason, you feel like God has parked your car. I'll tell you what it's about. Rest, reset, recalibrate. Say it with me. Rest, reset, recalibrate. It's a part of the restoration process. If we don't learn how to rest in his shade, we're going to burn out. I want to prophesy that I believe that you guys are going to experience this harvest season because the apples begin to blossom on the first day of fall. And I believe that you guys are going to experience some of the largest harvest that you've ever had. There's going to be fruit that's supernatural. Vegetables, supernatural size. 
as a prophetic sign to you of what God is doing. Out of rest, out of abiding in the vine, you're going to produce what? Much fruit. This thing of striving and, and, and working up a sweat to try to get things done, it's not working. We're learning once again how to abide in the vine and out of a place of rest and intimacy, fruit is being produced. Embrace the fire. Run towards the fire. This, this is one of the reasons why I, I'm very vocal about the conversation about judgment. Because a lot of the prophetic community, when they think of judgment, they only think of it in the context of negative. But some of us in the room have had situations where we were speeding and we got caught speeding. I'm not going to say who. Some of us are pastors. And, and you stand before the judge and you say, I plead guilty. Right? And the judge says, pardoned. That is also judgment. Judgment simply means surrender decision. So this idea that judgment is always negative comes more from a Greek understanding than a Hebraic understanding. If everybody that's prophesying judgment is always negative, that's coming more under the filter of their heart than the Word of God. I want us to understand that. Because it's important. Because in my prayer life, there are seasons where I say, judge me, Lord. And if your understanding of judgment is Hurricane Katrina and hemorrhoids and tumors and... (laughs) then you're not going to ask for the judgment of the Lord. But when you understand the judgment of the Lord for a believer is different for an unbeliever, then you're going to get in the fire of God and say, purge away everything that hinders love. The fire is the refiner's fire. I love the fire of God. I think I might have shared this here before, but the Lord gave me a dream. And in the dream, I was at Rodney Howard Brown's house. Some of you know who he is. I was in Rodney Howard Brown's house, and he put a CD on, and he played the CD, and I lied on the floor in his carpet, and something that was on him came on top of me, and I started to laugh, and change fell out of my pocket. So I contacted one of Rodney's sons, and I, and I said, hey, I had a dream, and I wanted to run it by you. And he goes, Ivan, that's uh, prophetic, because Rodney actually is coming out with a CD, and he's feeling a little unsure about it, because he's singing all the songs. And he tells Rodney, Rodney says, bring that young man to the winter camp meeting. So I go to the winter camp meeting. He doesn't know who I am. And he's ministering. And he says, young man. And I stand up and he goes, fire. And I go, you know. And then his next session, young man, fire. I mean, like seven times. He just walked by, fire, fire. And guess what happened? I went home, and I wanted to quit ministry. Because the fire began to burn up things in my heart, things that I didn't even know were there, things that that I thought I had died to. So I love all the ministries, especially within the charismatic movement, fire this, fire that, fire this, fire that. And then we wonder why God deals with us, because you asked for the fire. (laughs) I love the fire. It's about purity. It's about integrity. It's about character. It's the refiner's fire. It is about love. But love is not going to let you drive your car off the cliff. Think about this. 
It's more important to God who you become than what you do for Him. So I'm excited about this season that we're stepping into. Let me see some other stuff. I, I was seeing some stuff and I thought, oh Lord, is people going to think I'm cuckoo? <laughs> the apple tree also represents not only the breath of God, because it says his breath smells like apples in the Song of Solomon, but it also represents the peacemakers. And the Lord began to speak to me about the emerging peacemakers. And I saw the spear of Phinehas. Anybody remember Phinehas? Not the best verse to bring out in a New Covenant context. It's found in Numbers chapter 25. And it's the story of where God tells Moses, do not let the Israelite men lay with the Moabite women. Right after Moses gets done making this declaration, this Israelite takes a Moabite woman into his tent. Phinehas is watching he takes the spear, he runs into the tent, and it says he pierces between the man and the woman. So that, let's not do that, right? We don't have to kill people to satisfy the righteousness of God, right? The blood of Jesus did that. Now listen, it says this, because Phinehas was zealous with the zeal of God, God swore a covenant of peace with him. And the plague stopped. The spear, the peacemaker, who knows what a peacemaker is? You ever see the old peacemakers? It's a gun. There's this mindset that's creeping into the church that we have to be peacekeepers. And we live in a day and age where people are confused if they're a boy or a girl. Can I just be honest? And, and, and we're not sure what bathroom to use. And I said bathroom. That's what I'm getting East Coast on you, New Jersey. We're not sure what bathroom to use anymore. And, and we have to be careful. And we're like, is it a he or a she? or Guys! And then we're scared because we don't want to offend anyone. Guys, that, that's not a peacemaker. A peacemaker with love stands up for righteousness. And it doesn't mean that we're protesting signs. We still love, but we speak the truth in love. Jesus Christ is truth. So this whole kind of false hippie love in the church, I feel like the fire of God is dealing with. And there are those that will stand up for righteousness. And they're not going to be popular. Because they're speaking truth. And, you know, that might affect my Instagram following. <laughs> Burning ones. One of the encounters I had when I was in Ireland as I was praying I was in this, in the spirit, I saw myself in this dark room. It was like a, the hall of a monastery. And all of a sudden I saw this little candle started to go off in the room. And then all of a sudden the Lord spoke to me and said, I mark you among the company of the burning ones. And I believe the Lord is looking for burning ones. And it's those that will carry the flame of God in the hardest and darkest places in the world. That we will not permit the world to transform us but we will transform the world in love and truth. Is that fun? <laughs> it's not easy, is it? And it's getting more and more difficult in the day that we live. But the church cannot remain silent. We have to demonstrate the kingdom of God. It's not just with mere words, but power. Lord began to speak to me. I had a vision of a... Um, of a graduation. And the Lord spoke to me. I saw the diploma. 
and the graduation said, miracle workers. And I believe that we're in a season right now where God is graduating and releasing the miracle workers. Miracle workers are not just gifts of healing. Miracle is different than healing. I love when backs get healed and toes get healed, and Lord was speaking to me about that on the way here on the airplane, about what God wants to do here in Canada. How many of you are aware that you guys, Canadians, you have transported more ministries, more healing ministries than almost any nation? Did you know that? You didn't know that? Amy Simple McPherson, I mean Benny Hinn, a lot of these guys are Canadian, and they left Canada, and their ministries took off in America. But there's a healing, a resident healing anointing in Canada. But I believe that God is wanting to unlock pools of Bethesda in Canada. And they're healing wells. The thing about these healing wells is prophetic communities, which I pastor one. Prophetic communities are fun. You prophesy over somebody, you know, awesome, hope, you know, it's good. Hopefully it comes to pass. But a culture that is contending for the miraculous, if you don't embrace a culture of process, it's why we see so many people that no longer pray for the sick. Did you hear what I said? God is in the waiting. Where do we find him? We find him in the waiting. We find the Lord... You get the prophetic word, and it's between the, given, the delivery of the word and the fulfillment of the word that causes us to fall on our knees and say, Lord, speak to me. If God gave you everything that he promised you like that, we wouldn't need him anymore. He's not your sugar daddy in heaven. We find him in the waiting. That's when you're on your knees crying out to him. That's when you're contending. And so cultures that contend for healing... There's a lot of hope deferred that happens. Because you see people that you prayed for and they didn't get healed. That's where our foundation has to be on the goodness of God and nothing else. Acts chapter 10 verse 38 says what? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit who went about doing good and healing all those oppressed of the devil. Healing is connected to the goodness of God. And you ask, well, why is it some people get healed and some people don't. And we are in a spiritual battle. We're in a war. We're not in heaven yet. And we're the ambassadors of another kingdom. And we're called to bring that kingdom everywhere we go. Paul says something to Timothy very, very interesting. He says, Timothy, I urge you to be like a soldier, like a farmer, and like a runner. Those are all very, very interesting characteristics. He doesn't say, Timothy, show up to church on Sunday morning, preach a good message, rest of the week, just do nothing, you know? Just live like a vacation lifestyle. Christians that are on vacation are very easily offended. You would never be able to tell now, friends, because I look like I ate my younger self. But at one time, at one time, I was a world champion martial artist. And back then, I'm just trying to unlock my phone here. 
Back then, my instructor uh, would say, hey, Ivan, hold your hand up, protect your face. And when he said that, I understood that was to protect me. I didn't get offended at him for it. I can't believe you told me to put my hand up. That means you don't think it's up. The heck is that? If I'm on vacation and you come over to me and I'm drinking a, a virgin pina colada and I'm in the sun and you go, hey, I've been 10 push-ups. <laughs> you see me sitting here? I'm ain't doing nothing. Your mindset is different when you're enlisted in battle versus when you're on vacation. How do you receive correction will determine whether you're on vacation or whether you're fully enlisted. I'm preaching to myself. <laughs> because if you realize that you're fully enlisted and a pastor, a leader, a brother, a sister comes over and says, listen, here's how I experience you. I experience you this way, whatever. And then you go, oh, that really hurts. But thank you so much for telling me because I'm called to love people. That's somebody who's fully enlisted. Somebody who's not fully enlisted goes, I can't believe you said that. Who do you think you are? Have you ever heard these things like, um, you only hear them in the church. You know, like, you can't speak into me unless I know you love me. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You know, <laughs> you get to heaven, someone comes over to you. How come you didn't tell me to stop going so fast? Well, because I didn't think you loved me, so... I let you drive your car off the cliff, you know. What, what are we doing? I want fathers and mothers in my life to know they don't have to have a catch with me. They don't have to take me to the movies. Sometimes you just want apostles in your life that will call you and say, I had a dream about you last night. Cut it out. Got to go. I told you I'm going to be all over the place, but I'm just flowing with my heart. Now listen to me. I believe. When I say I believe, you know what that means? I believe. You can disagree. It's okay to disagree. Not every apostle is meant to be your spiritual father. I think the challenge is that many of us are starving for spiritual fathers, and so we look at the people on the platform. Instead of looking at the person right next to us, that actually is the one that has time to call you, time to spend time with you. Apostles don't always have an hour to talk to you on the phone. Oh, but they should if they loved. They do love the whole body of Christ. I'm blessed if I call Brett and he answers the phone. And he does. But sometimes he's in Russia. And I don't, <laughs> you know, when I was five years old, I, I fell on my bike. Um, so that's, you want a pastor is what you want. You don't want an apostle. I got an apostle guy close to me. I meet with him. And he tells me when it's time to leave his house. <laughs> How's the wife? How's the kids? Good, good. How's the church? And then he pours into the church. How's the church? All right, son, time for you to go. You don't have time for me. No. He doesn't. He gave me 30 good minutes. Because I'm not an orphan. I'm okay with that. Because I have a father that I can go to. 
Are you enlisted in war or are you on vacation? You know, I don't want to go to that church because the pastor never calls me when I'm sick. Where do you get that from? James 5 says, if you're sick, call the elders of the church. It doesn't say the elders of the church are going to call you. We have become so, like, I don't know what the word is, you know? We, we need, you know, we need to toughen up just a little bit. When you are aware that you are engaged in spiritual battle, and every one of us has a calling and a mandate on our life, Listen, it doesn't mean we don't hurt. You understand my heart. I do sit with people and do counseling. I do all that stuff. But I'm saying there comes a place where we have to begin to shift our mentality. Are you with me? All right. I want to share a few things with you, and then we'll unpack this the rest of the week. I'm storytelling tonight, sharing experiences. I had a few visions I want to share with you. They're fun. I love these encounters. I had this experience, this is many years ago, where the Lord brought me into what he called his trophy room. I went into the Father's house, and I went into the trophy room. Now, is there really a trophy room in heaven? I don't know. It's, it's metaphorical language, okay? And I saw as all these hearts were dipped in silver and gold in this room. And I understood that the heart of men and women are God's trophies. Are you with me? So that was awesome. And in these encounters, sometimes you find yourself asking questions you didn't know you had. And in this encounter, I said, Lord, which heart was your favorite? And in this experience, the Lord Jesus goes to a secret place in his room, and he pulls this heart out, and he opens it up very carefully. And I saw this heart. It wasn't hung up on the wall. He had it in a safe place. And what I noticed about the heart was that it wasn't perfect. There was battle scars on it. I said, Lord, whose heart is this? This is the heart of my servant David. And I understood that David had been through so much betrayal and pain and rejection and hurt, but there was not one open wound on that heart. There were scars, but it wasn't open. You're going to go through things if you don't believe that. The Bible says in this world you will have trouble. You're going to go through things. But it's our responsibility to bring that broken heart to Jesus and let him heal it. We are a company of overcomers. I don't trust anyone who doesn't walk with a limp. You ever meet people like that? Praise God, brother, I'm amazing. I have no problems. My wife and I are amazing. Look at my kids. They're amazing. Hallelujah. You know what they do when they get home? They hair down, buckle out, passed out on the couch. They're gone for three days. Because when they're in church around people, they're having to perform. Hi. My, my wife and I have been praying for you. Hallelujah. Johnny, remember the word you got? He's like, yeah. You know. Then you get home, you're like, pick up your clothes. Dang it. You put your, I hate your gotcha. You know? Yeah? Brene Brown, she's a researcher. You can find her on YouTube, Brene Brown. And she researched shame. And through her discoveries of actually doing interviews with people, she discovered that 
The most wholehearted people were those that were the most vulnerable. And from what I understand, most of those were Christians. And then she eventually surrendered her life to Christ because of this study. I think that's powerful. The ability to say to someone, I'm not doing really well. You know, I'm going through something. Can, can we, I, I need a friend to talk to. That is actually biblically strength. Yeah? That's always a hard one for people, especially in America. Because we're taught the very opposite. That I have to carry myself strong in order for you to respect me. But the Holy Spirit helps in times of weakness. That means you're going to have times of weakness. So now I went from the trophy room into the strategy room of heaven. This was kind of fun. And I saw all these angels, and they were staring at computer screens, all Apple computers. <laughs> that part was a joke. And in this encounter, I was able to walk over and lean over the shoulder of the angel and see what was on the computer screen. Guess what it was? To my shock, the only thing that was on there was a mind and a heart. All of heaven was intently watching the heart and mind of men. That our minds would be in alignment with his and our hearts would be in alignment with his. The Bible says we have the mind of Christ. The scripture promises in Ezekiel 36, 26, a new heart I'll give you. Could it be this simple? It's about alignment. That my thoughts are his thoughts, my heart is his heart. We use the word secret place and intimacy a lot. And yes, it's important. Worship the Lord. Prophetic cultures, we worship. We worship God. We pray, we worship, we pray. And sometimes we stop there. The next step is to read the word. And actually read the word. Take one book of the Bible, read the whole thing, get the context. The next step is to meditate on the word. Maybe at this point you're thinking, I don't have time for that. Then you're not a soldier. Let me help you, because this is God is tuning me up. In many of our cultures, the man of God says, come up to the front. Bam, you fall, you get up, come transform. Maybe. You might be, you might not be. Not saying God didn't do something. But guess what? You have to walk it out. The next step after meditating on the word is applying the word. Many of us have come up with this teaching, and there's truth to it. The teaching says things like this. I am more than a conqueror. Yes, that's what the Bible says, right? Amen. Well, let's get a little deeper. What are those things that you constantly say to yourself that you don't want anybody else to hear? I'm afraid. I'm a failure. Nobody loves me. Right? We all have these lies that we believe. When we make a declaration, I am more than a conqueror, but we feel like a piece of garbage, your mind and your heart, it's called cognitive dissonance. 
It's a form of mental illness. Just walking around confessing things that you're not living creates damage in your brain. That's powerful. That's why so often as believers, we say one thing and do another thing. The confession is good. The next part is this. I'm going to help you. So for me, being very young, I had a lot of success. And, but it was f- kind of founded in performance. And so I struggled so much with feeling like a failure. Anybody ever feel like that? By the time I'm 30, I'm going to be a millionaire. You know, by the time you're 30, you're like on food stamps. You're like, well, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't have been in ministry if I wanted to be a millionaire. Glory to God. And you start feeling like a failure. According to, you know, bioneurology, whatever, here's the more accurate thing to say. I feel like a failure, but the Word of God says that I am successful in Christ. Acknowledging how you feel connects to that neuropathway. And then when you make the positive declaration, it forms a new neuropathway in your mind. The mind is powerful. So when God speaks a prophetic word over us, at least in my past, I thought he says it, it's going to happen, and that settles it. And then we have the janitor's keychain of prophetic words. I have another question for you. Who are you committed to becoming? Say, this doesn't sound fun, man. I believe in grace. I don't believe in works. This is too hard. You're talking about renewing the mind and like reading your Bible and like, (laughs) I just want a shaka baba and a fall and a bing bong and a woo and a hey and and I'm good. No, you're not. We receive the word of the Lord and then there's this thing of God, you said I would stand before kings, but I'm so insecure i got to work on that. There's, there's a chasm between what God says about you and where you're at. And then there's the process. And in that process is where you find Jesus. Friends, he's in the waiting. So you get the prophetic word that you're going to change the nation, but you can barely change your bedsheets. Amen? But God spoke and it's true. So now I have to align my thoughts to his thoughts and my heart to his heart. And the spiritual warfare, and I'll dive more into this this weekend. If I, you know, I did a whole entire study of war, warfare, stronghold, words like that, fight. None of them are connected to the devil. That should really, that's my study. Five times I found scripture. Wage warfare, war. You know what they're talking about? The first thing is fight the good fight of faith. That's that you and I would continue to endure in faith. When the things, (laughs) this is how I used to live. I get my debit card out. Hey, honey, I'm going to buy you some sushi. (laughs) Hey, honey, have you checked our bank account? Baby, I got faith. Here's some flowers. Here's that purse you wanted. 
The bills come. Don't look at that bill. <laughs> I'm blessed. <laughs> That's not faith. That's denial. <laughs> faith is the ability to look at the problem and see from God's perspective. Twelve spies, they see the giants in the land, two come back with a different report. They all saw the same thing. That's faith. Faith is the ability to look at the problem and get heaven's perspective. That's a renewed mind. And guess what? The other aspects of war and warfare, you know what they talk about? The carnal nature. The flesh. The devil has been defeated. That's what it says in Colossians. And so, yes, it's true that the devil can lie. And he can cause you to what? Believe what you already believe about yourself. The scripture says that we're led away when we're enticed by the desires of our hearts. Listen, fun, huh? I'm sorry. You want it like... Let's talk about flowers and glory spirals. And if we want transformation, we do have to partner with the Holy Spirit and the Word. It's not just going to come in the microwave. Poof! I have to embrace what the Father says about me. When the Lord speaks to me, I have to believe it. Then I have to begin to make those declarations. And then I have to begin to align my life with that truth. If you're called to write a book, guess what you have to do? Get the pen and start writing. Warfare, war, it's connected to the carnal nature, which the Bible says has been crucified with Christ. Galatians 2.20. Colossians says it's been circumcised. It says the sinful nature has been circumcised. You don't put that back on. You're a new creation. Are you there? So now when the enemy comes, like a lion, it says, you know how the scripture teaches us to overcome him? Be sober-minded. That's not how I was taught. Get away from me, devil! I rebuke you in the name of Jesus! And you look like a wacko. You're walking around, get behind me, Satan! You can yell as loud as you want. You're not doing nothing. According to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, it says that we cast down strongholds. I love that word stronghold when you study. Anybody here of Masada? You ever been taught about Masada? Where one of the, um, I forgot I have it written here, one of the uh, uh, Greek Roman generals, he built this stronghold on top of this massive plateau. It was impossible to get to. It was impossible for armies to get there because it was so high up and there was only one way in. And, and uh, actually, it was, it was the, the, a Jewish guy that built it. And then when the, the Romans tried to come and conquer, all these Jews ran after 70 AD. They ran and they hid in Masada. And so the Roman soldiers, they, they tried so hard to kill them, but they couldn't. Finally, they had to build a structure just as high and start to ram them. Only like five people survived. The rest committed suicide because they didn't want to become slaves of the Romans. But the point is... When the scripture says that you have power to demolish strongholds, 
That's a stronghold. It's something that is erected so high that to the natural eye looks impossible to destroy. You know what else it says about strongholds? You ready for this? It keeps you from the knowledge of God. Knowledge isn't just head knowledge. The word to know is intimacy. I want to know God. I want to know God. I want to know God. Demolish strongholds. According to 2 Corinthians 10.4, your knowledge of God can be hindered through the strongholds of your mind. The good news is that you have power to demolish them with truth. So now soldiers... You're not just given a gun and go, someday I'm going to use this gun. You have to train. Uh, Zechariah chapter 10 verse 4 is one of my favorite verses. It says, and in that day, says the Lord, they will no longer be called sheep. They'll be called war horses. I'm going to read something to you. Then we'll, we'll end it here. Let me read something to you. This is powerful. I found this as I was working on my book. The Greek word meek, Jesus says, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly. The Greek word meek is praus, P-R-A-U-S-S, and this word was borrowed from the military and relates to horse training. The Greek army would find the wildest horse in the mountains and bring them to be broken in. After months of training, they sorted the horses into categories, some were discarded, some broken and made useful for bearing burdens, some were useful for ordinary duty, and the fewest of all graduated as war horses. When a horse passed the conditions required for a war horse, its state was described as P-R-A-U-S, praus, that is meek. The war horse had power under authority, strength under control. A war horse never ceased to be determined, strong, and passionate. However, it learned to bring its nature under discipline. Discipline? That don't sound like grace. It gave up being wildly, unruly, out of control, and rebellious. A war horse learned to bring that nature under control. It would now respond to the slightest touch of the rider, stand in the face of cannon fire, thunder in the battle, and stop at a whisper. It was now meek. God is calling us to be meek. The grace of God empowers you to be meek. We have to shift this understanding that Jesus does everything for you. It is finished. Guess who finished the work? Jesus did. <laughs> now you've got to finish the work he called you to do. But he hasn't left you powerless. He's given you his spirit. He's given you a new nature. He's given you all the tools, all the fruits of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. He's empowered you. Now it's our responsibility to take what he's given us and apply it and to walk it out. So tonight I implore you to sign up to be a part of the company of the burning ones because one of the things that starts to happen as soon as you start to move forward is the insecurities and the fear and the worry and uh, the embarrassment, all those emotions start to come up because we're humans. And then we get to choose. Well, if the Lord really wanted me to heal the sick, he'd take this fear away. No, Mark 16 says you shall lay hands on the sick and you'll see them recover. The fear will be taken away when you lay hands on the sick. 
There's a threshold for every single one of us. I don't know what it's called for you. For me, it's fear. And every time I step out, I have to cross the threshold of fear to walk into my calling. We get to partner with God on this earth. This idea of renewing the mind doesn't come just from listening to teachings. It comes from applying the word of God in every area of your life. My heart, my passion is that we are an army dressed for battle. You ever read Ephesians chapter 6? I'm coming to an end here and it says this, doing all to stand, stand therefore. Anybody hear that before? You ever hear it taught like this? Like, you know, once you've done everything that you can do, brother, <laughs> just stand. It's like hopeless. You know what I mean? It's like it has this like feeling of like, I have a little gun and there's an army and I'm just going to stand. That's powerless. The next verse starts talking about all the weapons that you've been given in Christ. You've been given the belt of truth, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit. The point is, you're not just standing like, no, you're standing like, come on. I'm fully equipped. I'm dressed for war. I'm in Christ. Lord spoke this to me. The sons of God are manifesting. It's time to release your roar. Romans 8 says, All creation eagerly awaits for the sons of God to be made manifest. I believe, if I'm hearing the Lord correctly, that we're starting to manifest. People are starting to get it. I'm a child of God. This is who I am. I'm an heir. I'm a joint heir. I'm going to walk in this stuff. What does it mean to release your roar? It doesn't mean that you're in a charismatic meeting and go, Roar! I released it. Saw that? Saw me release it? Roar! I don't want to hurt my throat. That's good. If God says roar, roar. It's awesome. Roll on the floor, great. I love it all. I might be on the floor rolling and roaring. It's great. It doesn't stop there, though. When it's the most important... <laughs> How many of you experienced that when the glory in these times when we're together is so heavy, that's when you surrender? And then you go home and you're like, why did I do that? Dang it. <laughs> Each and every one of you has a battle cry. What does your battle cry look like? You know the sound of war for me? You know what it sounds like? It sounds like the body of Christ marching in cadence. The voice of the Lord is at the head of the army. They're not jostling. You know why? Because each person knows their identity. I will very, very gladly get in the back of the line and let Brent get in the front. Because I know a general when I see one. I'm okay to be a private or a private first class. My identity is not found in that. So for me, equipping is my roar. I'm fully alive when I'm equipping the saints. For some of you, you're fully alive when you have that paintbrush. Man, you're roaring. Your unique sound is coming forth on the earth. Some of you get up here and you play the keys and you don't see, but angels are being dispatched and healings are being released and your roar's coming forth. Some of you, it's carpentry, craftsmanship, 
are homeschooling? I don't know, but what's your roar sound like? That's what it looks like for sons and daughters of God to manifest. It doesn't look like all of us are clones. Here's the threshold. Here's the lies we believe. We have a choice. Well, you know, I would stop, you know, uh, I don't know. I'd stop being so passionate, but I'm Puerto Rican, you know. And Puerto Ricans are just passionate, you know. I've heard somebody say one time, you know, I wouldn't drink so much, but I'm Irish. And we, we like our liquor, you know. Right. So that is the stronghold and the argument that keeps it up. All of a sudden you say, no, I'm transformed. I'm a new creation in Christ. I don't care about my personality profile. I, that, those are things we hide behind. God, I thank you that you've called me to do this. And yes, I feel afraid, but this is who you say I am. And I walk through the threshold of fear. Many are called, friends. Few are chosen. I, I want you to hear my heart. I want every single one of you to take the draft and enlist in the army of the Lord and show up on the first day of boot camp. Don't tell me you're old. Go tell Moses that. I'm old. Don't give me that. Tell me you're tired. Are you kidding? No, 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 no. This is who I am in Jesus. What will you do for love? just want to stir you up here for a minute. What will you do for love? Brother, I just want love in my life. Ah, it, that annoys me. All the like bumper stickers, peace, hope, joy, love. We don't even know what it means. What will you do for love? For love's sake. What is the thing right now hindering you from breakthrough? Now take that thing and now say, would I press through that thing for the sake of my children? Because I love them. I'm not going to give up. I want to. But love says I can't give up. I don't want to go to work every morning, but I have to for love's sake. Are you tracking with me? Well, you know, I, I don't really want to work hard because, you know, love's sake. What will we do for love? You see how we're changing the way we're thinking? Well, the Holy Spirit lives in me, so I love. <laughs> Hang out with me for 20 minutes. Let me poke. <laughs> bing, bing, bing. You're a jerk. It's easy to love when you're a hermit and you don't have friends. <laughs> I don't believe in the church. I don't believe in gathering. Sure. Because you don't, you don't want to deal with your stuff. Because we don't like being around people that make me feel this way. I can determine the height of your love for Jesus by the depth of your relationship with people. Woo. What will you do for love's sake? I ain't done preaching yet. You know the trump card in America? I don't know if it's like that here. You know what the trump card is in America? I love my family, so I have boundaries. Yeah? I would go help you move but I can't because of family. Yeah, this is the trump card. As soon as you throw down the family card, 
Everybody excuses you. Yeah, family first. You know what the Lord spoke to me one day? What about my family? If your love isn't sacrificial, it's not love. I'm not saying sacrifice your kids on the altar of ministry, but you and I all know that a lot of times when we say, I can't go because of family, we're home in our underwear watching Netflix. And the kids are in another room watching video games. Come on, be honest. Turn up the fire, God. Turn it up, God. Lord, I want to love. You want to love, son? I like what you're... You really want to love? All right, Ivan, let's go love people. Yeah, but my show comes on at 8 and... You know... You want to love? What will you do for love's sake? Will you fight to see the strongholds torn down in your life so that your children don't have to face the same things? This is what I want to do for love's sake. The church has forgotten that not only is God love, but he's a warrior. Exodus chapter 15, verse 3. It says this, the Lord is a warrior. And if you're created in his image and his likeness, you also are warriors. And there is a fight. And it's not a defeated devil. It's right here. Let's stand together. I want to exhort you. I want to encourage you. I feel like there's a unique group of people here tonight that are hungry for the real, for the authentic that are crying out for breakthrough, that want to see Jesus manifested on the earth. I believe in grace. The Apostle Paul says, by the grace of God, I worked more than the other apostles. (laughs) Grace works. So does faith. Holy Spirit, I thank you right now for an army dressed in battle. Son of man, what do you see? I see dry bones. God says, not me. I see an army. And some of you need to begin to see yourselves right now with his eyes. Father, when you look at me, what do you see? So Lord, I'm asking you right now that you would begin to stir up a passion once again on the inside. Lord, begin to speak to me during worship. Said, I'm wanting to restore the altar of intercession. I don't know if it's just here. The church is represented if it's here in Abbotsford, if it's here, I, I, I didn't get that. I just heard, I want to restore the altar of intercession. Some of you stop praying. You've been so defeated, so discouraged, you just stop praying. And God is wanting to once again restore the altar. Leviticus 6 8 says, The fire shall never cease from burning on the altar. Is your heart's burning for Jesus? Are you burning ones? Is your fire contagious? Father, I thank you even right now the fourth man is in this place. He's walking in the midst of us. Come and lay your hands on my heart, God, and consume me with fire. I want to burn for you, not just for a conference. I don't just want to burn for you for a weekend, Jesus, but I want to take this fire in my home, in my job. I want to take it in my church. Lord, I want to carry your fire. Burn away, Father. Burn away, burn away, burn away. All those things that hinder love. Jesus, I thank you for what you're doing, God. May your presence increase. 
May your presence, your manifested presence increase. Thank you, God. Lord, it's touching many of you. are feeling like fire on your chest. If you're feeling warmth on your chest, run to the front quickly. Like fire on your chest, like warmth on your chest. Some of you feel it on your hands. See how slow you're responding? That's not a good sign. That's exactly why the prophet brings a message and saying, here's the threshold, and here's where many of you are standing. How bad do you want the breakthrough? Well, I want you to give me a word. It's not going to happen. You've got so many stinking words. Good Lord, what do you... You know what you need to do? Start applying those words. Father, thank you right now that we are breaking through the veil of fear, of embarrassment. See how that thing goes full circle? Some of you are offended. It's because you're on vacation. You don't like being pushed. You don't want to get pushed or provoked. You're making me uncomfortable. Good, it's called conviction. I got a guy at my church, every time he gets convicted, he blames me. (laughs) Holy Spirit. I thank you that you have massive plans, not just for those in this room, but for this entire Fraser Valley. And you're looking for those that are not flash in the pan, but those that will burn. 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. We are your burning ones, God, not just for a weekend, but let it increase. Father, let it increase. Just begin to Invite the fourth man. Just begin with your own voice. Just invite the fourth man to come. Come burn in me, Father. Not a hype. Not an emotion. But you know what you're dealing with. God's been asking me to fast stuff lately. Take away my food, Jesus. I'm in the new covenant. I don't believe in that. (laughs) He's, He's removing things from me again. Saying, come on, son, you're getting kind of loosey-goosey in your faith. I'm bringing you back to a place of lifting the standard. Jesus, I thank you for the threshold being crossed tonight. No more lazy, apathetic, passive Christianity. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent lay a hold of it. We want to lay a hold of the kingdom with passion with the zeal of God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Take your eyes off me. If you want to go home, we bless you. Don't feel like you have to stay. I'm not going to do prophetic ministry. I feel like God wants to deal with fear. I feel like he wants to deal with embarrassment. I feel like he wants to deal with the things that have been hindering us from stepping into the fullness of our calling. It doesn't always come with a sozo or laying out of hands. Sometimes it comes with a decision. Your yes be yes and your no be no. Today I choose. Today I choose. Lord, I choose. I choose Jesus power of choice.
Holy Spirit, I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for what you're doing in our hearts. Sign me up, Lord, the company of the burning ones. I haven't felt a spirit of revival for a long time. I saw a mantle hovering in the spirit, looking for a place to land. And the mantle was a movement. And it's hovering in the spirit. You want to carry a movement? I saw it available. You know what I see more now than ever? Unemployed angels. They're standing around bored. But I saw angels in this room. And they're waiting. We wait on God. No, He's waiting on us. Tonight, God, there's fresh commissionings and alignments that are taking place. We want to align ourselves, Father. I align my mind, I align my heart with your truth. There's quite a few of you in here that are powerful ministers. God has you here to just receive healing. there's this thing in you, you're hearing my message and you're going, I'm a runner. I've been doing what you're saying. But some of you have been in a culture of performance. And to you, the Lord would say rest. In this room, he's saying a million things. (laughs) For some, he's kicking you in the buns. He's saying, come on, believe in yourself. I believe in you. For others, he's saying, I'm asking you to rest and come and sit under the apple tree. He's speaking to each one of us. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. pick up your shield you pick up your sword and will you fight but I've been discouraged, I've been disappointed, I've been let down, don't forget the heart of David he went through a lot but he said I would have fainted if I didn't believe that I would see the glory of God in the land of the living there's no give up in the church gift of faith. I want the ministry team to come up here, please. I know it's getting late. If you have to leave, we understand, but I want to break up some stuff this tonight.
had a dream some time ago where I was in a service and it just happened to be all African American in the, in the dream. And I went in there to preach and in my mind I thought, alright guys, so after I'm done preaching I'm not going to prophesy over anybody. I did my little spiel. And, it's, and all of a sudden they started to worship louder than I could talk. And they began to worship and worship. And the glory of God began to fill the room. And in the dream, I began to prophesy. The characteristics of the next move of God will be the glory of God and the fear of the Lord. The next move of God that we're right now we're walking into will be marked by the fear of the Lord and the glory of God. And there are so many teachings right now that are making God this like passive Santa Claus and he's not he's still a lion Isaiah 11 the spirit of the fear of the Lord rested upon Jesus so Holy Spirit thank you right now we honor you we reverence you you are our Abba and we're grateful for that we embrace your fire we want to be carriers of your glory those of you that could feel the fear begin to, whatever it is, whatever it's called for you, the insecurity, the fear, the rejections, the hurt, the betrayals, you started feeling that stuff pop up. Don't look around to the left or to the right and just quickly come down to the front and let us pray for you. Let's help you get breakthrough. There is purpose on this gathering. hearing Paul Keith Davis share an encounter he had and it was like a cemetery that he saw and it was all these mantles in the cemetery it broke his heart many believers had been through such difficult times in their walk that they just let go of their calling it's not going to happen to you in Jesus name Father we receive we receive what you're saying to us. Ministry team, just start praying for people. Ask them. Don't Listen, ministry team, don't spoon feed where you just lay hands and start prophesying. You didn't help. What is the thing that you want to deal with? Make them confess it. I want to deal with fear. Yes. Joyful repentance. You confess in the presence of the Lord. God has forgiven you. Now let's go after that thing. We pray for people so much, we don't let people pray for themselves. God, thank you. I'm going to pray corporately, and then if Pastor Brandon or Kevin wants to come up, and Father, I'm asking you tonight for prophetic dreams and visions. Lord, that we would hear from you so deeply that we would lay a hold of you, Jesus. Lord, you've declared our calling. You've declared our purpose. That we would partner with you in faith. We would not grow weary in doing good. That we will continue to fight the good fight of faith. In Jesus' name.